99.3 Nigeria Info. Time check is 15 minutes to 4 p.m. And you know every Friday we bring you ideas with Ayo Obe. On the show today we'll be discussing a very important subject. And I am sure that you would like to pay attention so that you can get all of the information. Today on the show we are discussing the Nigeria Media Complaints Commission and every of its attendant issues. On the phone, we have Edith Ojo, the ED of Media Rights Agenda. I'm very certain that everyone would want to pay attention to this conversation because every time people say, oh, the media, the media. In Mascom 101, we were taught that, you know, the media is the fourth estate of the realm. And people say, ah, this Nigeria, this media, these ones that every time they collect brown envelope, they will now be, oh, we're going to look at all the issues. And I am very certain that you would learn something really very important today. Ayobe, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Afternoon, Chukudi, and thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, both from you and from Iriti. <laughs> so, um, Edet, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Ayobe. Yeah, well, well, we have so little time and so much ground to cover. You're already saying that we need to come back. But given that we only have our 15 minutes. Let me cut straight to the chase. Well, I, I wanted, first of all, before we get into the National Media Complaints Commission, to just ask you about how you saw the coverage of the elections by the Nigerian media. Did they live up to the standards of integrity, ethics, accountability for our d democratic ideals? And, and, and I guess one of the things that I wanted you to clarify again is that does the fact that a media house has its own particular um, uh, uh, political preference. Does that deprive it of the capacity to still produce um, its, um, its, its newspaper or its, um, or its programs with integrity and um, from with keeping up with the ethics of the profession? Okay, thank you again. Um so, uh, as you know, Ayo, the media sector is a very diverse sector, mm -hmm. and within that you have all kinds of tendencies. Uh, within the broad spectrum of uh, organizations and individuals that are uh, carrying out journalism, we have those who are acting uh, consistently in accordance with uh, very high professional standards uh, in their operations, but particularly in their editorial work. Uh, and also uh, in the coverage of the 2023 elections. Uh, but we also have very many actors within the sector that have also consistently uh, demonstrated questionable ethical standards. And again, uh, this was apparent during the uh, elections, in their coverage of the elections. So uh, given this context, it might be difficult for us to speak in very general terms okay. about the media and how the media has performed. However, my assessment would be that regardless of these differences and challenges that I've referenced, on the whole, uh, the media did a good job in the coverage of the elections, uh, despite also the very challenging circumstances under which they were operating, because I think it's uh, it's also important to acknowledge that we have not really been able to provide uh, an enabling environment for the media sector to do its work optimally. Um, In what sense? I, and, and I'm referring here to things like the high rate of attacks against journalists that uh, we recorded during the elections by uh, party supporters, by 
law enforcement, uh, security uh, agents by political thoughts and so on, as well as the very harsh and unfavorable economic environment. So one needs to factor that into uh, the assessment. But I, I think that on, on the whole, we saw that uh, the media provided the electorate, members of the public, with uh, a lot of information about the process, about the uh, various uh, uh, contenders in the uh, elections, mm -hmm. and so on. And I think this assessment uh, is also consistent with the assessment by various uh, election observation groups which monitored yeah. uh, the coverage of the elections. And, and uh, I have particularly in mind the European Union Election Observation Mission uh, which carried out a very detailed and comprehensive assessment of the coverage of the elections by uh, the media. Mm -hmm. Now, with respect to the second part of your question, I think it's quite possible for a media outfit to have a political preference and nonetheless act with integrity and professionalism. Mm -hmm. It's obviously very difficult, a very tight rope to, to walk, but a media outfit can have a, a political uh, preference and in fact declare that uh, it prefers um, a particular candidate or party for for reasons that it states, yeah. but nonetheless remains factual, accurate, balanced, and objective in the manner in which it covers the elections and the activities of the various uh, political parties and candidates. Of course, um, Eric, in the, that's uh, not for the, um, the, the, the broadcast. Uh, non-partisan, but where this ideal is not possible, I think the next best thing is that regardless of their preferences, they should uh, strictly apply ethical standards of the profession in their coverage of the elections and, of course, other issues of public interest and importance. Yes, and I was going to say that the, the um, broadcast media, of course, are covered by the Broadcasting um, Code of Conduct, which um, frowns on, on having a declared political position in, in Nigeria. But the um, print media are not similarly, are not so constrained. And... Um, I guess that at the end of the day, some will be satisfied and some will be dissatisfied. But um, th those feelings go well beyond the coverage of the elections and, and what happened in regard to them. As I said, the broadcasters are under the control of the Nigerian Broadcasting Commission. And um, they, that is a government agency. But up till now, there had not been anything equivalent for the print media. And is that why the National Media Complaints Commission was set up? Well, I, I think you've used the, a very accurate expression with respect to uh, the situation of broadcasters. They are firmly under the control of the National Broadcasting Commission. Too much and so, I think many that would is an anomaly, and it's contrary really to the standards of uh, media regulation that is um, accepted both on the African continent uh, because there is there is a regulatory framework for how media should be regulated um, in Africa. Uh, the Declaration of Principles on Freedom of Expression and Access to Information in Africa. But it's also contrary to the global standard. So uh, it's important to say that. And um, within this, I think that uh, the NBC is not really, strictly speaking, playing the role of a regulatory authority, but is controlling uh, the media. And when you consider its lack of independence, as you say, it's a government agency, its um, officials are appointed by the government, 
We have many people appointed um, by government and they are also supposed to be independent. I mean, even um, judges, the Independent National Electoral Commission and others. Is it that this um, particular, um, the Nigerian Broadcasting Commission, does not pretend to be independent of government or is it just that that's something that we discern from its activities? The process of its appointment is simply between the Minister of Information and, and the government. I'm, I'm, I'm talking of members of the authority. Yeah, okay. um, so I, I don't know that uh, that is something that you would call an independent process. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I said, there are standards that are firmly established uh, within the continent uh, and, and internationally. And so can we now move to the um, NMCC, the Nigerian, the National Media Complaints Commission. Is, is that private or is it run by the government or how, how is it set up okay but uh, just to say that it's also not quite accurate that there has been no print equivalent we've okay. had um, the nigerian press council which was first uh, uh, established in various under various names uh, during the military uh, uh, um, governance in Nigeria, but um, is the press council government owned or is it um, private? Uh, under illegal framework since uh, I think 1992, um, but since uh, 1999, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's it's been facing litigation, and the case against it is now pending at the Supreme Court. Uh, so because of the litigation, it's not really been able to operate. So is it a government body or is it a private Is it a private body or is it a government body? The, the press council is a government, it's a statutory uh -huh. body, it's exactly. established by law, by government, but uh, various uh, stakeholders in the media sector are supposed to be part of it. But okay. the National Media Complaints Commission, uh, which was uh, established a few weeks ago, mm. has been established by professional bodies within the media. So these are the Newspaper Proprietors Association of Nigeria, the Nigerian Guild of Editors, and the Nigerian Union of Journalists working in concert with uh, the broadcasting organizations of Nigeria and the Guild of Online uh, Corporate Online Publishers. So they have come together to put in place not a self-regulatory framework, but they call it a co-regulatory framework. Reason being that it's not made up of only media professionals. It draws membership from other sectors. So from the uh, bar association, from the legal profession, uh, from uh, the academia. Um, indeed, one of the members is the is the chair of the uh, information committee of the House of Representatives of the National Assembly. So it's brought together, and then of course there are civil society actors uh, in that uh, regulatory body as well. So it's brought together a variety of actors uh, to do co-regulation, to provide the public with a mechanism to uh, address uh, complaints of uh, misconduct or um, non-compliance with uh, professional standards within the media. And, and this is, um, it, so it covers both the print, the online and the um, broadcast media. But I, I wonder, um, Edith, 
because you yeah. know we often hear about you know the big men the the the, the public figures and so on but what what does the ordinary person who feels that who, who, may, who may be a public figure to the extent that they are in the news but they are not the kind of big person who is um who has access to a battery of lawyers and so on is it um is, is the process of making the complaint going to be accessible to ordinary people i think that the the mechanism itself uh, itself serves uh, the interest of ordinary people uh, quite uh, uh, quite well because uh it's not very legalistic um i mean you can simply complain through a letter you don't need to have a lawyer um and because of the nature of the mechanism which is as i said earlier drawing membership from various sectors it's not um it's not operating according to uh, media jargon or according to a legalistic uh, uh, framework that is difficult for an ordinary person to uh, to understand and the whole idea is that it should very be a cheap mechanism it shouldn't really cost people money to use it because they can simply complain without paying anything uh, and it should be able to deal with complaints quite expeditiously so that you know you don't also have a situation where uh, the other alternative of going to court you are mm-hmm. you are caught up in that process for uh, a very long time well, Edit, um, you've talked about the membership, but, but there had been some complaint about the composition that it um, was not quite diverse enough in terms of um, the spread, the religion, the um, the political, um, the inclusion of political parties. What, what do you say about that? Does, do, do, do those factors, do you think those factors are going to affect it or is it just a matter of how it's going to be perceived by the public? Well, I um, I can't really identify uh, a critical stakeholder group that is not part of its composition um, because once you look at the membership and you do a proper analysis, uh, the only sector that you might say is completely missing is uh, the executive branch of government. Uh, now, if you brought in the political parties uh, to be represented on that body, I think it would be it would affect its credibility because it will be very difficult for it to operate. Political parties are notoriously loyal um, to, to, to the bodies that they are representing. So, so, you, so, you, so you want to confirm, Edith, that you, you have not got a slot for any particular political party because there had been some complaint that only one political party has a representative on the board. No political party has a representative on the board. There is one person who is the chair of the House of Representatives Committee on Information. So that person occupies that position so long as he or she occupies the position of the chair of the House of Representatives uh, Committee on Information. It doesn't matter what political party the person comes from. So it's sort of like an ex-official Exactly. Well, Edith, um, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that they 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 give me such lovely looks, such loving looks, but sad and loving looks, which are saying that our time is up. So I'm not even going to be able to get to the issue, the other issue that I wanted to discuss with you, which was the increasing criminalisation of um, free speech. And I only have a few programmes left for this run of ideas. Maybe I'll have you back before we finish our, our program so that we can discuss those more. But I want to thank you so much, Edith, for being my guest on Ideas Radio this Friday afternoon.